0: On this edition of the Cubs Talk Podcast, brought to you by Wintrust, home of Cubs checking with free ATF station wide. Tim Stubbins, Gordon Wittenmeyer, and I discuss Stephen Matz's impending free agent decision. We talk about the upcoming Hall of Fame voting just a little bit. We talk about Jed Hoyer philosophy, Rick Hahn philosophy, and will guys sign before the lock?
1: At Wintrust, we know true fans show their team pride every chance they get. With Cubs checking, you'll score a Cubs debit card, so you can show your support every
2: time you pay. Open today at Wintrust.com slash Cubs Talk. $100 required to open for FDIC. Let's play two.
0: Thanksgiving and welcome into the Cubs Talk podcast brought to you by Trust, home of Cubs Checking with free ATMs nationwide. With Tim Stebbins and Gordon Wittmeyer, I'm David Kaplan. We are your Cubs content team here at NBC Sports Chicago and NBCSportsChicago.com and the My Teams app. Gentlemen, Happy Holidays! First of all, to both of you.
2: You too, Cap. Thanks. Appreciate it.
0: So let's talk about Stephen Matz. We can start right there. Oh, wait.
2: Hold up, Cap. You're Mr. Health Food Dude. Um, and, you know, especially at your age, you, I mean, you really have to lean into that. Uh, what, are what, what are you doing? <laughs> Happy birthday, by the way. Uh, what, what are you doing for Thanksgiving? Any uh, special menu items?
0: I am actually working at NBC Sports Chicago. I have to do Bears. Premium. Oh, of course. So we have delayed our dinner until later in the evening when I get home, like 5.30 or so. We are going to have two different kinds of turkey. We're going to have a beef tenderloin. I will make sure I work out in the morning before I go downtown. I'll get my 10,000 steps in and my wife's even making me a blueberry pie so I can have a slice oh, of wow. that. So I'm looking forward nice. to it.
2: Nice. How much, how much oh. of that green junk are you going
0: to drink during during the show? What green junk? Yeah,
2: stuff you used to drink all the time on the on the sports
0: talk show. Oh, I dr- always would have like a uh, like a smoothie, like a green yeah, juice. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I may have a little of that while we're down there. I eat my low carb wrap made out of egg whites, and I'm ready to go, man.
2: Throw a little gravy in it for Thanksgiving,
0: maybe, maybe. And I'm, uh, I think I gained. Five thousand pounds on vacation so i gotta get back at it
1: respect to you cap because my gym closes thanksgiving and black friday every year and like there's obviously other ways to exercise but i've kind of just resigned to the fact that it's going to be a short gym week for me
0: yeah i have a gym i'm actually down in my gym it's right over here and i got the squat rack i got the bench i've got the cable columns i got the peloton so we're good to go, man. The landmine, and I got the sauna right back there.
1: You That's got it all. <laughs> wow.
0: So away we go, kid. Away we yeah. go. All right, baseball. Stephen Matz wants to make a decision by Thanksgiving because he wants the contract to be signed off on and bam, finalized before the lockout next week. Do you guys think the Cubs are one of the seven or eight teams he's considering? Do you think that would be a wise purchase? Do you think he comes in as the number two guy, the number one guy, the number three guy? Where does he slot, Gordo?
2: Well, if they can go out and uh, try to recreate Jake Arrieta magic all over again in 2021, why not go out and try to get the guy that uh, shoved it against you in 2015 and recreate that magic? I I, I don't know. Look, um, I, I I, I do think that that's kind of their wheelhouse. Uh, this this uh, winner for free agent pitching, whether they get him or not. I mean, there's eight teams that he's going to be choosing from. Uh, it, it seems, it seems like a long shot at best uh, where he would slot. would, I mean, almost anywhere he wants. He only got two guys. They got Kyle Hendricks and Wade Miley. That's it. So yep. depending on what he looks like, he'd be in a, he could be in the top two. I, I would think he's certainly in the top three. I mean, cause they only got three. So, and, and in fact, if you're looking at what goes into a decision for Steven Matz, if all these offers are fairly similar, that might be the biggest selling point the Cubs would have of all. Hey, you know, uh, maybe maybe they don't have the best chance of winning among those eight teams uh, or going deep in October, but who's going to kick him out of the rotation? I mean, this guy's going to get plenty of leash. He's going to be able to... Uh, uh, make his 30 starts without having to look over his shoulder all the time or compete for a job or anything like that. Um, Not that a guy coming in on a guaranteed contract would be competing for a job, but it's wide open. I mean, he can come in and make as much impact as his ability will allow. So we'll see. It's good for the Cubs. I just – he's going to have plenty of choices, though, so I don't know where he lands.
0: T.S., what do you think?
1: Yeah, um, I had – six pitchers on my list of guys who could make sense for the Cubs and three are going to the Giants. So
0: um, (laughs) let me see if I can guess the six, D Sclafani correct. Kevin Gossman, Marcus Coleman, Robbie Ray, Steven Matz. And I don't know who the sixth one is.
1: Yeah. So like some of those, like Gossman's obviously coming off a good year, but I was kind of trying to look at it in the scope of, you know, the Cubs, if they're not going to, we if we seem to think that they're not going to be going top of the market and i think Gosman stays in san fran anyway but i kind of looked at other options i guess and mats was one of them and then it went and just disco who got what you know my whole premise on that is he had a good year with the giants obviously but he fit probably in the desired cubs range and i think he's getting like 12 a year so whether that was because he wanted to go back to san francisco i don't know but that that would have been in the cubs wheelhouse alex wood uh alex cobb Carlos Rodon and John Gray. Um, so Matt's to me makes sense. I mean, there's eight teams in on, in on him, like we said, but there's a couple boxes that, you know, I, I think for the Cubs purposes, he checks he's a lefty and Jed Hoyer kind of downplayed uh, the emphasis on needing more lefties at the GM meeting. That's not necessarily something that Cubs are looking at so much as just they need good pitching. Um, but Matt's is lefty. They had nine starts made by a lefty and, 21 and that was all Justin Steele and Wade Miley will help that obviously. But from there, he's got mid nineties fastball velocity. And we know we saw the command control rotation the Cubs had for a, a chunk of 21 before some of those young arms got into the uh rotation. And, and he had a really good year. I mean, a really solid year. I think his ERA after the break with Toronto was sub three. So, you know, we're talking about where would you slot him into the rotation? I mean, I don't know, but that's a guy who got out this year and he was effective. So For the Cubs, yeah, I think that would make a lot of sense. It's probably just going to come down to with all the offers on the table. Obviously, fit, destination, but can the Cubs make a competitive offer?
0: Yeah, I'm the one guy that you mentioned that I'm like, thank you, I'm out, Carlos Rodon. I don't believe the guy's healthy. I watched him early in the year because I bought a 15-game package. I was there all the time. 99, 98, 99, and then I go there again in, I don't know, July, early August. 88, 91. I'm like, come on, man. I don't trust Tommy John, shoulder surgery. And then he was not very good in the playoffs. So, and, and
2: honestly, that's why he would even fall to the Cubs range, right? Correct. Because uh, there would be questions about him and, and uh, you know maybe his market wouldn't be as, as robust. So you'd be taking a risk with him if you're no the Cubs question. regardless.
0: Tim, Gordon and I had this debate which we like to do on the phone, Yeah, I said I would not touch Justin Verlander on a one-year deal for $25 million. You're crazy,
2: cat. You're what freaking crazy.
0: If I felt You're like your 2016, mind. 2017, and the Cubs are in it to try and win it, yeah, let's go. They're not going to win it next year. Why am I paying $25 million for a 38-year-old guy who, or thirty-seven, who's coming off Tommy John? Oh, wait a minute, wait a mean,
2: minute, see. wait a minute. You and I were arguing something different then, Cap, because I thought you were arguing whether anybody should pay him that and whether he was a good signing. He was a great oh, signing no, no. for the Astros.
0: The Astros still feel like they've got enough talent, they're going to be really good. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. You told me the White Sox signed him all in. The Cubs?
2: No, nah, the Cubs aren't in a place where, where that made a lot of sense unless you're going to try to flip him.
0: Correct. Yeah, that's kind He's of what I think probably not going to be flippable. He won't. Sign oh, he'd be. Well, he, he,
1: he, yeah, right, right. He, he, he's
2: not. He's not going to sign with anybody who's going to lose. Correct. He wouldn't. He wouldn't take the money from the Cubs anyway.
1: Right. Yeah, I think that's one factor. Like, if if the Cubs were interested, I don't. I don't think he would have wound up here. But I think if the, the, with the, the financial flexibility the Cubs have and the need for pitching that they have, I think. I mean, if Justin Verlander was set on coming to the Cubs, which obviously that wasn't the case, and he wanted to go back to Houston, but if he said I want two for 50 or one for 50 with an option and I'm the Cubs, like, yeah, I'll do that. And, and whether does he get one a for 50? no trade 50, no wait, one for 25, but it's, it's with the option he got, it's basically a two year, $50 million deal. Um, I don't think the Cubs though would like, we're talking about flipping him. I don't think he would get a no trade clause for the Cubs purposes, but I'm sure he would have won in one if he came to a team like the Cubs in this kind of scenario. But if you're the Cubs, like, with the flexibility they have, I think there's there's opportunity with some of these you know, high-risk, high-reward deals where if they pan out and you're in contention, great. You keep them. If they pan out and you're not in contention, then you flip them. And I think that's kind of what we're looking at for a lot of these guys, potentially. So Miguel Amaya,
0: the reason I ask about him is his situation looks like he's going to have to undergo Tommy John surgery, which will knock him out the entire season and put his
2: there's a possibility it might not be his entire season but you can almost kiss a 2022 debut of any substance goodbye
0: correct and that means that it impacts wilson Contreras because we don't know how he's going to respond coming i'm talking about amaya coming off of tommy john you would think he'll be okay but you don't know if he'll be okay so you're going to have to lock up Wilson Contreras, even if you thought about trading him, unless you're tanking, and then you go, I'll just trade him for whatever I can get, get the best haul back, and I'll sign some veteran guy to catch. Where do you think they're headed on Contreras, guys?
1: Um, what do you think, Tim? Yeah, man, I mean, I think going into the winner, the, I, I think from my shoes, it seemed like, The scenario that was presenting itself and this is just me educated, speculated, guess, whatever. If you're not going to extend him, then it it would make sense um, to trade him because you already traded the other all-star core guys and if they're not going to extend him this winter, then I don't think you go into next year and try to at a time where he'd have less value because it'd be a half season, flip him at the deadline. I think we all were in the camp in a recent podcast. We talked about just the fact that he is someone that at some price, we we the Cubs should extend, and I think I think I always have thought that, but I think this only this Amaya injury only puts that more magnified, right? Like the Cubs' top thirty prospects, whatever those lists are subjective, but if you go on any list, I'll go on MLB.coms. They have one other catcher in their top thirty, and I, I believe it's it's a you know a teenager, a low A guy. So you don't have any catchers on the premise of the big leagues um and if you don't like if we're talking about amaya is not going to be back till maybe 22 if not then 23 then what do you do next year um or the year after with contreras and, and even on top of that um amaya 2020 was a weird season with with the the canceled minor league season 2021 he missed most of the year and then 22 he's not going to play perhaps a chunk of it and if if anything i have got to imagine that if he comes back he would be dh because. The arm might not be ready to go in the field yet so that's three years of developmental time man and i don't think i don't think you can understate that and if if Contreras isn't around come 2023 then who's your catcher you'd, you'd have to go out and get somebody and this guy's already obviously one of the better catchers in the game yeah well, that goes back also
0: to Aliendo is their next highest rated catcher after miguel amaya amaya is a top five prospect on any list for the cubs number 27 With a target ETA in the big leagues of 2024 is Pablo Aliendo. He is six feet. He's 170. Uh, He's a kid who was born uh, signed May 5, 2018, and he is born 529 of 2001. He's a baby,
2: which makes him irrelevant for any of these conversations. Correct. Look, uh, we can talk about the catching position all we want. We can dive in the weeds on whether the Amaya situation means you have to you have to get a little more urgent with your decision on Contreras but look go beyond the catching position who Contreras represents to your team what you your your next core you what you consider your clubhouse culture this guy is super competitive super hard worker he he's the he plays the most important, impactful position for every game that's not the pitcher. Uh, and so, oh, and by the way, he's a major league hitter, a, a plus major league hitter, even if he's not catching. He's an excellent hitting catcher. But if you stick him in left field, he's a good hitter. If you stick him at first base someday, he's a good hitter. So this guy can age well, he's very athletic. Um, And he brings an edge that you want on that team. He's worth extending regardless of what position he plays. The fact that he's a two-time starting all-star catcher and he's still in the prime of his career physically where he can handle that position for the next few years and maybe age into another position after that. Absolutely. This is the guy you want to extend hands down, period. End of story. Get it done. Pay him some money. If there's one guy you're going to go pay, pay this guy. And then
0: start putting a team around it. Would you think he'd take four for 60? Hell no. Hell no. Five for 80?
2: Come on, man. Get Five for 80 gets you, what? what was that, 19? Yeah. It's, it's there 16. 16. No, 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 no. You got to get closer. Look, man, Carlos Correa is going to get 10 and 300. Now, now, these are two different players, two different types of contracts, two different ages. Um look at what Verlander just got on a one-year deal. The the prices on these players is not going down, even with the uncertainty of the CBA. His AAV should probably, if he was on the open market, would probably start with a two. And I yeah, think yeah. I, I think there's no reason for it not to in an extension. I don't think you should try to lowball. Look, he got rid of all those other guys that didn't sign extensions. They're not on your books. Hayward's not going to be on your books for very long. You got hardly anything on the books right now. Commit to a guy because this is the guy you chose, and pay him. I'm not you don't you don't have to pay him thirty a year. That's crazy. But don't try to get him for half that. Come on, that's not where the market's headed, and he's worth way more than that. So yeah, I mean, don't don't be don't be trying to nickel and dime him like you did with some of these other guys. Come in with a fair offer. He may want more. It may work. You may pay him a little more than, than you wanted to in the first place. It's not going to break you. You're the Chicago friggin' Cubs. You got plenty of money. That's why if,
0: I thought five for eighty made sense. Maybe you go seventeen million a year. Look, Somewhere if you're if you're going
2: to get into those levels of AAVs, you're going to have to give him longer years. You're going to have to give him more security. You're going to give them, you're going to have to give him a link that sounds crazy for especially for a catcher. But you're going to have to give him a the link to get that kind of AAV winds up being a similar security. But, um, you know, pay him the market value. Don't, don't, you know, if you're going to go four or five years, which is probably a, about a sweet spot for his age, then, then it's going to have to be 20 something. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills.
1: Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu podcast.
0: Tim, you cover this team like we do every single day. We follow all of these different moves. Do you think before the lockout next week, the Cubs will do something? I asked you this a few weeks ago. Something of substance. I'm not saying Carlos Correa, but I'm not talking about, you know, the kid they just, uh, Harold Ramirez. from (laughs) Somewhere in the middle of that, will they do something?
1: I was, I was going to say, so that doesn't count as me being right about the Cubs doing something before December 1st. No,
0: definitely not.
1: <laughs> Acquiring Harold Ramirez for cash. Yeah, I mean, he actually kind of like that move as a depth move. Um, I'll stick by what I said. I mean, who who knows, man? I mean, this could look bad if Stephen Matz's decision uh, per reports is out of New York. If that's coming Wednesday, this could look bad in hindsight. But who knows? Maybe this week it's Stephen Matz to the Cubs. I mean, uh, I said it that last time on that one pot. I said, I think, I think as a pitcher of some sort, I think the pitching market is flying right now and three of them are going to San Francisco. So if you're the team like the Cubs or any team, because who doesn't need pitching, you can never have too much pitching. You see the giants sweep up three of these guys that are kind of thought of as not the Verlander Scherzers of the world, but quality pitchers in that mid tier. If you see three, three pitchers go to one team, one team sweeps up all of them and you're a team like the Cubs. Can you afford to to wait by in, in, see what is left after a lockout because as we record this it's you know a couple days before thanksgiving that that's still a week left of moves and and it's there's there's indications from some players that they want to get stuff done before a potential lockout so we might see more moves in the next week before before that december 1st date comes around if you're the cubs and if you like a guy that's out there can you really afford to to try to wait and, and not pounce when if there's mutual interest
0: Gordon? Yeah, I,
2: I, I agree that the, the Cubs end of the free agent pool is the end of the pool that's moving the fastest right now. It's, it's, it's the only part of the free agent markets that are going to move before a lockout. All the Boris clients, all the high-end, long-term contract candidates, for the most part, they're all going to wait until the, the back end of this thing and play out the market. So meanwhile, the, the shorter-term guys, the mid-range guys, the, the, the eight million to $12 million pitchers that, that are the Cubs' targets, those are the guys now. And, and Tim's right. They're flying off the shelves. I'm not sure the Cubs thought that that would happen as fast as it's happening. And so I'm not – I think that they're active. I wonder if they're as active as they should be in uh, being prepared to sign some of these guys. If, if Matt's doesn't choose the Cubs, there's uh, roughly uh, a week to go until the shutdown uh, transaction freeze that comes with the lockout, as we all know. And, and they may pick off something between now and then. But I wouldn't be surprised at all if they don't. And part of that is what's happened so far as they've been on the sidelines. And part of that is, is what Jed Hoyer has said about. He he said, "I don't know how many times he said we need to wait and see what the CBA says, which um, for for where they're shopping doesn't seem necessary."
0: Okay, so I was Tim. I was telling Gordon this earlier. I had Rick Hahn on my radio show on Cap J Hood on ESPN One Thousand, and I said, "Rick, you guys have a pretty high payroll now, but you're not done. You got to get a second baseman. You got to get a right fielder. You got to address." your bullpen, which they did getting Kendall Graveman. But they still have to trade Kimbrell. They've got other moves they've got to make. They may want to add a rotation piece he talked about. And I said, well, are you going to do like I've heard other GMs say, we're going to sit back and see what the new rules are. Then we'll make a move. He said, absolutely not. He said, if the right exactly presents itself, we'll adjust on the fly when we know what the new rules are. I'm not going to sit on the sideline and go, "Guy should have signed that guy, but I was waiting on the CBA. No, I will make the right move for our team. And if I have to adjust after the fact, we'll figure it out.
1: Yeah. I mean, like that's, that's where, you know, I know Jed talks about spending intelligently, but from my position, if I, if I see the, if I'm the Cubs and there's someone out there that I want, like, don't wait, right? Like go, go and get him. I mean, the White Sox just did that with with Kendall Graveman, as you said, the Cubs legend Kendall Graveman. I might add, uh even though they still have Kimbrel's sixteen million dollar option on the books, they didn't wait to see if they could uh, flip kimbrell because you know that's something that they talked about potentially per- pursuing because of the the ill fitted role that he was in as a setup man. But they didn't they didn't wait to to clear that money off. They saw a guy who could be an impact setup man in front of Liam Hendricks, and and they pounced on it. So. Yeah. I mean, like Steven Matz, if he's off the market Wednesday, like I go back to that list I mentioned, I I looked at free agent starters that based on, you know, the Scherzers and the Verlanders of the world and where they might be looking to go and win at this stage in their career, like pitchers who legitimately could make sense for the Cubs that won't be breaking the bank or anything. And four of my six are off. And I'm not saying I'm, you know, mine isn't gospel. I know there's other pitchers out there and there's other moves and there's plenty of, arms potentially but if there's if the four of those six are already gone then that's only the beginning there's those other arms are they're gonna have more competition for who's left and the mats uh example is an indication of that where eight teams that's almost a third of the league is in on steven Matts, according to that uh john hayman report so the third of the league wants a guy who all respect to him he, he's probably a, a three right he's not necessarily a verlander scherzer then what's going to happen when those guys are gone at some point
0: you, you By know the way I saw, I saw your guy gordon signed with the pirates which guy oh that no would be jose quintana
2: oh my god quintana yeah i got to go get him a pizza
0: he's a pirate now <laughs> wow
2: he'll probably he'll probably light up the cubs probably, <laughs> probably. Like... The,
1: the brewers kryptonite right so he's back yeah, exactly, in the central exactly <laughs> Look,
2: exactly. you, to your point with, with Han, um, from Han's position, he's absolutely right. His, his payroll's in a place where uh, he's good basically no matter what happens, right? Because what, what's the concern for him when it comes to payroll? It's, it's the luxury tax official, right? So if you look at the luxury tax, he's in good, good shape based on whatever the current luxury tax is. It's not going to go down at the very least it would get grandfathered in for another year, even if the owners won a concession that knocked it down for future years. So, so he, he has for his purposes and, and and what he's dealing with in in his win now landscape and where his payroll is, he's in good shape. He he does. And he doesn't need to go get any of those big long-term guys that are out there. Um, And you would think that the same would apply to the Cubs for a different reason, right? They're not fishing in those big waters. So, and they've got even more payroll flexibility um, than than, uh, the White Sox do. So why would they have to wait? Um, But Jed keeps saying that. So maybe that's something for Cubs fans to, to hold on to. If there's any hope at all, maybe if Jed, is serious that he needs to see what's in the CBA to know exactly what his full plan for the offseason is. Maybe he does consider himself a player in one or two of those bigger name guys markets where once we get to the other side of a shutdown, a lockout, a, a, a transaction freeze, and it starts up again with all the big name guys out there. If he knows where the CBA is going over the next five years and it fits, for what he, what he projects their revenues to be, with their payrolls, where they might want to be, where their winning cycles might be. Maybe he does get in the market on the back end of that for a bigger name guy. I, I think uh, it would be one, I, I can't even imagine two really, but maybe one guy, whether that's one of the shortstops or whether that's a, a pitcher that he really believes in. But there's still going to be a lot of those middle and low level Pictures that he's got to get in the meantime so i, I he should, either way he should be more active right now
0: well last thing we're going to talk probably next week gordon you're a hall of fame voter tim and i aren't there yet even though we watch as much baseball as anybody you and your fellow bbwaa writers don't let us electronic guys in
2: yeah you'll never get in either cap if i have any say about it so you can you can stick hey, my BBAA friend a- right
0: where- might get me in
2: Oh yeah. so well, so, well, Sully Sully does uh, does do things the Chicago way, so it might not take a democratic process. Yeah, you, <laughs> you, you could be right. So
0: we've got, we got we won't do it now, but we will do it maybe in the next week or two. When do you get your ballot for the Hall of Fame?
2: Um, it should be showing up in the mail uh, anytime. Um, the what is it? Right before Thanksgiving? Yeah, usually right after Thanksgiving, it shows up in the mail, and then you have until the end of December to get it into them.
0: And we have to talk, Tim. We got to see what Gordon's going to do on Sosa, Bonds, Clemens. How many times do I have to friggin' tell you? You already know know the answer. Somebody got to you. Who? Who got to me? I don't know. We're going to find out who you're going (laughs) to (laughs) support.
1: Big Poppy's on the ballot first time, right?
2: Poppy's on the ballot. And uh, Poppy was always one of my guys.
1: You crossed paths with him in Minnesota, right?
2: yeah from the time he broke in yeah interesting Uh, I'm a huge
0: poppy guy I hear he's a good dude
1: he's a great dude I
2: mean just a great dude and over the years as I saw him again with Boston and he became a bigger and bigger name he never changed he's the same guy he's a a great dude
0: so does poppy have somebody didn't he wasn't he named in the Mitchell report
2: I don't know if he was named in the Mitchell report, but there was, there, steroids. there was a report that he was on the, the list. The, the He was part of the survey tested guys in 03. Um, and he denied it. And there was no, as far as I know, and I got to look this up. I don't know if there was any other corroborating reports on that. Um, of course, MLB and the, and the union was all pissed off that any name was leaked and MLB didn't confirm anything. And he was, uh, vehemently, uh, you know, in denial of that. So, yeah, I haven't, uh, um, I take a pretty hard stance and I, and I, and I, and I, and I will say that, uh, uh, personally, uh, I mean, that's, that, that's, that little, that sliver of a report, um, is, is, the, is the one thing I'll be debating with him when, when it comes to how I view my – because he's got everything else. And having covered him and knowing what he's, what he's meant to his teams and what kind of a person he is in those clubhouses, uh, he's got everything else. And so uh, I've just got to come to terms with that and see if I put it on the same level as I do uh, with the, the Clemens and the Bonses and the Sosas of the world.
0: Yeah, I'm a huge big poppy fan. I don't know the guy. I've never interviewed him in my life. I remember him after the Boston marathon bombing. Yeah, yeah. I remember him with some clutch home runs. I remember the security guard standing there and falling over the side of the over the wall, jumping on a huge home run. I remember all of that. He just, dude he, for me, he's a Hall of Famer.
2: I don't think at least those three that they won in that 10-year span. And then they won that fourth right at the tail end of his career. Those three, I don't think they win any of them without him. And we know they don't win the first one without him. He, he almost single-handedly won the first two games after they fell back 3-0 uh, to the Yankees. And, um, and so, yeah, I mean, he's, he's, he's pulled off some of the greatest heroics in October ever, and including one of the greatest championships ever in baseball. Um,
0: you talk about the three, nothing comeback.
2: Yeah. Yeah. He, he was those two nights in a row. He was the guy on center stage that got it done at the end. Um, and it, the second time he did it, it, it felt like there's no doubt he's going to do it. And then he did And then at that point, it felt like these guys are going to win this series, which hey, is crazy. Tim
0: one, Tim, one prediction from you. Where does Chris Bryant sign?
1: Seattle, man, he's going. He's he's going straight up. Where, Gordon, what would you write in your story? Something about clams? Is there some clams connection? <laughs> a lot he's of clams, clams in Seattle,
2: and he's going to get a lot of them. He's going to get a lot of clams in Seattle. There
1: you, there you go.
0: <laughs> I am surprised that San Francisco wouldn't want him back. I am. Um, one one
2: of the things that I heard at the GM meetings uh, that one of the, the buzz out of San Francisco on him was that they were down on his fielding which, um, and they're a very, that know, they, yeah, it, it does surprise me too. And, and like the metrics aren't, are down on him fielding too. And, and, and that's to that's to me, one of the big flaws in metrics because we know his value. Look, when he, when he was playing every day at third base, he got better. And in 2020, uh, it was a short season, but for the month or so that he was on third base, he was playing third base as well as he ever had. Had he just stayed there? He grades out as at least an average, probably above average third baseman. And all of a sudden, the war that applies to his defense is over zero, right? And instead, he moves around. He moves around. Why? Because he can play a lot of positions well enough, average. By the time he gets graded on all those positions, his war defensively is below zero. So even if his hit war is up here, his defensive war drags him down, even though the even though there's added value to what he's doing defensively that we can see with our own eyes and that we know is part of the communication and the value to his team. That's that's messed up in my mind. Because the team's not going to play him in all those different positions if he's gonna cost them out there. He's they're doing it because he's helping them. Now there was, he did have trouble in. Right field. Was it right field? And he had, he really struggled in right field. That's in top right field play. It is. It is. So, it, so in fairness to the, to the giants evaluation, you got to take right field out of the equation. Cause he just showed that he couldn't handle their right field. Um, and he, so he winds up finishing in center field and doing okay. But uh, uh, I, I think at the end of the day, they didn't view him as worth the, the top market dollar for not, for, for what they eventually were going to get back on the fielding side. Like, he wasn't maybe elite enough as a super utility guy. But uh, he fits perfectly. I mean, Seattle would be an ideal fit for him in and so I many think, ways.
0: Jim I think it's a great market for him. He doesn't have to deal with the nonsense of New York, Chicago, Boston, Philly, you know, those big, pressure-packed, tons of media. Like, it's Seattle.
2: It's a cool town. i from team. there. Um, it's a great town. It's West Coast. He's a West Coast kid. Yep. The spring trainings. He's still out in Arizona. Everything's a comfort zone.
0: Yep. Everything hockey you now. Yeah. Yeah. They got, they the got a hockey team. Yeah. And he likes hockey. He's a yeah. Vegas Golden Knight guy.
2: Yeah. And and plus, by the way, that that park used to be a pitcher's park. It's become more of a hitter's park. Um, and it plays. It, it, def- defensively, it's it's a more normal ballpark to play. So, whether he's playing third base, whether he's playing in the outfield positions, he should be able to handle all that well. And that's a team. That's a team that has the talent to win, get to October, and they'll do it with a team full of guys that haven't been to October before. So, who would you like to put on your team? How about a guy that's won the biggest championship of all?
0: Yeah, most pressure packed of all time. You guys have a wonderful Thanksgiving. Tim, your favorite Thanksgiving meal. What's the favorite part of the meal for you?
1: Oh, uh, it's a tough one. I got two. I'll say stuffing, but man, uh, the sweet potatoes when they put the marshmallows on them. Oh my gosh, I could <laughs> I could eat the whole tray of those too. It's it's a sweet tooth thing, I guess. Gordon,
2: oh, you got to go with the turkey, and and I, I I'm, I'm I got a lot of Norwegian in me, and there's this. Potato bread, lefse that uh, my daughter and I make every year. You, you, you put a little gravy in the turkey on that, and roll it up. Ah, it's outstanding.
0: Mine is, and I only have it once a year, mashed potatoes. I put the niblet corn on top and the gravy, and I eat it all together. Oh, yeah. wow. And then my late mother makes, um, she, she taught my wife how to do this. It's pi- like slices of pineapple with jello in them and so it's freaking wow. ridiculous and then my wife makes what she calls green goop with grapes and all this other stuff so yeah it's an unhealthy meal but it's awesome
1: i gotta come to your house for thanksgiving that sounds real good
0: you're welcome <laughs> anytime you guys want to come you Thank let you. me know. <laughs> hey happy holidays we'll talk soon for gordon for tim for tony gill i'm david kaplan it's been a fun addition. The Cubs Talk Podcast brought to you by WinTrust, home of Cubs checking with free ATMs nationwide. Happy Thanksgiving, everybody. Take that. We'll see you soon.